Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. And how are you today? Welcome to the latest installment of the Man Cave Huddle, and I am your host, Greg. This is a special episode to me because some of you have been sent this episode specifically because it's a football Friday. This episode, as we know, is going to be dedicated to the Man Cave Huddle Week 4 college football must-see games. Now, for those of you that don't know, in case you're busy out tomorrow, Saturday afternoon, you don't know what to watch. There's like 30 games going on. Which one is the good game to watch? I got so many things to do. I'm going to be inside, or I might be out at the wall at the mall with my lady, but I could step in the Buffalo Wild Wings and, and watch something. Look, these are the games. If you get a chance to walk by in front of the TV, you get a chance to carve out a couple hours, for me, these are the games that you got to watch. Tomorrow, it starts early. Saturday, 12 noon, Fox, at Camp Randall Stadium in Madison, Wisconsin, we will be having the number 11 Michigan Wolverines at number 13 Wisconsin Badgers in this game. um, How should I say? The odds are Vegas has the Wisconsin Badgers winning this game by three and a half points. Well, look, there's a lot of history between these two teams. You know, this is the 68th meeting with Wisconsin and Michigan. And Michigan, they are 51-15-1 in games played at Randall Stadium. They're 19-7-1. So they beat this team at home and they beat this team on the road. But as of lately... Michigan is looking to snap a four-game losing streak to Wisconsin. Because as we all know, when you play Wisconsin, it's not about the, 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 the air raid. It's not about the passing. It's about two things. It's about Jonathan Taylor in that run game and that defense. Okay? Now, there's one thing, the history that Michigan has on their backs is that they have claimed victories in 48 of their last 51 Big Ten openers. Will this one be the 49th? We shall see. I will say this much. I saw Michigan play Army, and we always talk about uh, Jim Harbaugh and how much of a great coach he is, but what's the one knock? The big game or the big away game, his teams do not shine in. And they had a game where they had Army at home. I'm sure Michigan had some time in their off week to sew some things up because that offensive line, it's not terrible. Some things need to be cleaned up. The quarterback play, the turnovers, it's not even interceptions. It's the quarterback fumbles that are a concern for me. Now, the defense, top notch, but you still can't sit out there and have them playing the entire game and expect top notch production. They had talent. It's just little things here and there. A penalty, a false start, a key third down drop, a turnover, things like that that give the other team confidence and they feel that now we could get busy, we could win this game. Is Michigan, have they cleaned those things up? Can they take those that, that big-time talent on the road and win? We shall see. Why shall we see? Because Wisconsin, they're a statistical nightmare. Now, look, I I know the first two games of the year, okay, 
these teams, they played South Florida and Central Michigan. I get that. But look, they're averaging 55 points a game, which is first in the Big Ten. Offensively, they are averaging 517 yards per game, which is second in the Big Ten. And like I said before, they are a running team. Defensively, like I said, South Florida and Central Michigan, but their defense has is average is letting up an average of 107.5 yards total. Not passing, not rushing, total per game, which is first in the Big Ten. And they are, <clears throat> I don't know how to say this, zero points allowed. Nobody has scored on them yet. Now, look, like I said, South Florida, Central Michigan, I mean, stats get a little bloated. I get it. But still, those are pretty nice stats to have. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, when you look at junior running back Jonathan Taylor, he leads all active FBS players averaging 152 rush yards per game, and he leads the nation with eight total TDs. So when I tell you they are a running team, they just say, look, don't fight back. Just get out of my way and let us do what we're going to do. Because if you fight back, you go, we're just going to make it harder for you. You know? It's kind of like when you're a little kid and you used to wrestle against your uncle and whatnot. And your uncle would be like, all right, stop. All right, stop. All right. And then he would give you the, I don't get, and have you in that pose. And you'd be like, yo, get off me, man. And, you, and your uncle was like, I told you to stop, right? I told you to stop. I think that's what that Wisconsin offensive line is going to do to that front seven of Michigan. They're going to say, look, man, stop now. Don't make me have to flex. But we'll see what that Michigan defense has to say because they need to stand up big. And that offense for Michigan needs to show up because we know Jonathan Taylor, he's going to show up and show out. Now, Wisconsin, they look to win its Big Ten opener for the fourth straight year. Okay. So, Michigan, they've won 48 of their last 51. The Wisconsin, they're looking to win their fourth straight one. So, this is one where you got some streaks on the line. You got some, uh, you got things on the line for both teams in terms of this is going to have playoff implications. Who do I think will win this game? I think it's going to start off real slow. I think Michigan initially is going to have their run fits to stop Jonathan Taylor. And I think by halftime, it's really going to be a, a nip and tuck tight game. Second half, adjustments will be made. I think Jonathan Taylor, I don't know if he's going to rush for 152. He will be the difference in this game. Wisconsin wins this game. Moving right along at 3.30 on CBS at Kyle Field, College Station, Texas. You will have the number eight ranked Auburn Tigers, who are 3-0, going up against the 17th-ranked Texas A&M Aggies, who are 2-1. Vegas has the Aggies winning this game by four points. Now, let, let's, let's get into the nitty-gritty for what I have for this game. Auburn. We saw what this team did opening night against Oregon. Bo Nix led that team to victory with a walk-off touchdown. Bo Nix is starting to make a name for himself. I mean, he's the first true freshman Auburn quarterback to start an Auburn season since 1946. 
Can you believe that? Since 1946, Bo Nix is the first true freshman to start. That lets you know the talent that the coach Gus Malzahn believes that this young kid has. I mean, the Auburn Tigers are one of only 21 FBS teams allowing less than 5.5 yards per pass. I didn't say run. I said per pass. You know what that leads me to believe? That pass rush of Auburn is real. That secondary of Auburn, they can sit back there and chill, but I'm not saying they're real in that they have a whole bunch of first-rounders, but that pass rush is real to the point where the quarterback needs to get the ball out quick. The defense knows that, and you got your linebackers and maybe safety sitting in on those hitches, slants, fades, so on and so forth. At Auburn, I mean, look, they are seeking its 32nd 4-0 start. The previous 49 times the Tigers were in this situation where they were 3-0, they've gone 31-16-2 in that fourth game, meaning that more times than not, the fourth game, they usually went to go 4-0. I mean, when you look at Auburn, the athletes, the SEC, the speed that they have on defense, it's real. And Bo Nix, the way he won with that walk-off touchdown in the first game, leading that team, he's the son of a head coach, and he kind of, I'm not saying, and everybody could chill when I say this, I'm not saying he's going number one or he's going to be a future number one overall pick in the draft as a quarterback, but he has the it factor at the college level. When I say that, when he gets the ball, it's not, okay, this receiver should get the ball. I'm going to pass it to him. It's that receiver should get the ball, but what is the best option? The A, the B, the C? Is it the dump down pass? Or should I just run for six or seven yards? And he knows when to hold on to ball, ball security. It's all the little things, the crossing the T's, the dotting the I's that you learn by being the son of a coach that you could see with him. It's just obviously the speed of the game and getting acclimated to the way you play at the college level and high school. But you can see Bo Nix got some game for real. Now, Texas A&M, they lead this series between Auburn five wins to four. Through three games, the A&M Aggies are allowing 83.7 rush yards per game, which is third in the SEC. Now, the Aggies... They've come out victorious in four of its last five conference openers, including a 29-16 win at Auburn in 2016. Okay, so a lot of these players on this Texas A&M team beat Auburn in Auburn, so they ain't going to be scarred when Auburn comes into town. Okay? Now, you got one stud quarterback on Auburn, freshman by the name of Bo Nix. Well, the Aggies... They have their junior signal caller, quarterback, Kellen Mond. This dude has passed and rushed for TD in the same damn game 10 times in his career. More than any other SEC starting quarterback. I'm talking Tua. I'm talking everybody. That's pretty impressive. Because now if they could matriculate the ball down the field and get into the green zone, the red zone, whatever you want to call it, Kellen Mond now becomes a dual threat because he can pass it or he can run it. He's a legitimate passer and he's a good enough athlete to sit there and run. Should be interesting. It looks like this might be a game of 
or a battle of, how should I say, quarterbacks. Because it seemed as though the Texas, the Aggies defense is good. I believe the Auburn defense is better. But it's the quarterbacks that are going to have to figure out a way with their individual skill sets to navigate through these defenses. The Aggies haven't allowed an opponent to score in the first quarter and have outscored their opponents 27-0 in the first quarter thus far. So what that's telling me is the Aggies get off to a strong, fast start. I mean, once the ball is kicked off, boom, it's already 7-0. And defensively, they have a good game plan to start the game. So Auburn, they're going to have to neutralize that by slowing the game down, getting first downs. I know that Texas, they don't allow a lot of rushing yards, but you're going to have to at least run the ball to show that you're willing to attempt to build off that play action and you could go over top and go deep. Or you could set up that read option stuff, maybe some RPO stuff. Who do I think is going to win this game? This is your afternoon uh how should I say your afternoon lunch game? <sighs> Although the odds are that Texas A&M will win, I believe that the Auburn Tigers have something going on. I believe in Bo Nix, and I believe that the athletes and the speed of Auburn will be able to neutralize the dual threat capabilities of Kellen Mann. Auburn wins this game. Now for your last game of, oh wait, I want before I get to that game, this is what I like to call a take a peek at. When I say take a peek at, this isn't a game that you should really sit there and carve time out and say, I got to watch this game. But at 12 noon on Saturday on ESPN, unranked Tennessee is going to be at number nine ranked Florida. Florida is picked to win this game by 14 points. Now, the last time an unranked Tennessee team beat Florida was 1955. Why is that relevant? Starting quarterback for the Florida Gators, Franks, he's done for the year with a dislocated ankle. So this backup quarterback that Florida has coming in, he's going to have a ton of talent. Is that defense going to be able to raise its bar? And will Florida be able to get it done? Because Tennessee, they're unranked, 1955, but this is a new quarterback. And when you think about Florida... You always wind up thinking about, you know, the SEC. It's always Auburn. I'm not Auburn. It's always Alabama. It's always Georgia. And people always, for some reason, seem to forget about Florida. I mean, they always start to see the highly ranked and things just happen. But they're a good team. They got a lot of talent. It's a game to pay attention to on your cell phone. Now, anybody that knows me knows where my interest lies when it comes to college football. So I'm going to tell you right now, Saturday night, this one, this one is dinner time. This one is, babe, I'm going out to meet the fellas. I already told you at three o'clock when she says to you, why are you cleaning the bathroom? Cleaning the sink and the toilet bowl? I didn't ask you to do the dishes. Wait a minute. Why did you buy me dinner around 6 o'clock? And you're taking a shower? Where are you going? This is the dinner time. This is the I'm going out to the club where my nice cologne game. Saturday night, under the lights, 8 o'clock, CBS, 
at Dooley Field at Sanford Stadium, Athens, Georgia. Number seven ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish will play number three, the Georgia Bulldogs, who are favored by 14. Before I get into this, all my Irish fans and the ones that specifically I sent this to you. And if you're not an Irish fan or you hate the Irish or you don't care for the Irish, because the Irish are kind of like Duke. Um, they're kind of like the Yankees, the Lakers. It's like you love or you hate. There is no, they are all right. Yeah, I'm all right with them. It's like you either love them or you hate them. There's no in between. So if you are a Irish hater, you could get off. You could listen too. But for all my Irish brethren, brethren, yeah, I know I stood it right there. And for all the people that didn't listen to this, I just want you to know this. Hold on. We're efforting here. Here we go. Here we go. Sing her glory and sound her fame. Raise her gold and blow. And cheer with voices true. Rah, rah for Notre Dame. We will fight in every game. Strong of heart and true for her name. We will never forget her name. And we'll cheer her forever. Loyal to Notre Dame. Cheer, cheer for all Notre Dame. Wake up the echoes cheering her name. Send a volley cheerer her name. Shake down the thunder from the sky. Wake the cows, do and small. All Notre Dame will win over all. With her loyal marching all. Onward to victory. Go Irish! I know I messed that up royally. But I just had to sing the Notre Dame theme song. That's the chant. That's the song that gets everybody amped up. Now look. Bulldogs are picked to win this game. I've spoken to a couple people about this. And I'm always like, yo, why is the media straight up like laughing at Notre Dame? Like Notre Dame, there's no, it's like Notre Dame is unranked. They got a whole bunch of dudes like me playing on the team, and they shouldn't even be on the same field. Now, look, I know where over 50% comes from. Notre Dame has the, the, the reputation of we don't play well under the big lights. Got slapped up by Alabama in the national championship game not too long ago. In the big bowl game, we got demolished by Ohio State. Then a couple years ago, we played Clemson at Clemson. Started off real bad, had a nice second half, but wound up losing that game. Georgia two years ago at Notre Dame, we were very competitive. It was Jake Fromm's first game as a quarterback, and he was a true freshman. We wound up losing that game. And then last year, we just got our teeth kicked in by Clemson in the postseason. I understand all these things. I also feel that a lot of the hate, and the, 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 the vitriol that comes towards Notre Dame is because the football team, although many have tried, they have not aligned themselves with the conference. They play an ACC-type schedule, but they haven't aligned with the ACC in football. And they had their own deal with NBC where all their home games are broadcasted on NBC. So all the money that Notre Dame gets, 
They get to keep it for themselves. They don't have to cut it up six, seven, 10, 12 ways like they're in a conference. I get all that. Okay? But it's not like this year Notre Dame had dreams of we're going to win a national title. It's not like they had dreams of saying we're good enough to play Clemson or Alabama and beat them and win the chip. Coming into this season, they had a 13% chance of making the playoffs. I think as a true and real Notre Dame fan, you feel like, look, let's try and make the playoffs. And if we do, anything can happen. And it better not be what happened last year. But let's just get to a good bowl game and win. Everybody says Notre Dame is overranked. Notre Dame is over this. Notre says who? Where is this coming from? Where in the media does this come from? What Notre Dame fan says that? That's where I feel. I, or maybe is it like the arrogance of why does Notre Dame have their own um, television schedule and they're not in the conference? Fine. If that's why you want to hate, I get that. And I understand. Just keep this in mind. I am a Notre Dame fan. I admit it. But I am a realist. I am not an idealist. I live in the way it is, not how I want it to be. I will give my prediction at the end of what it, uh, uh, the nuggets I'm about to give y'all, okay? But I just want you guys to keep that in mind. Now, um, Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, they've won four of their last six games versus number three ranked teams, Okay? So it's not like they're incapable of doing it. When was the last time? A while ago. <laughs> um, over their last eight games, senior quarterback Ian Book, Book it with Ian, has thrown for 2,025 yards, which is the fifth most amongst all active FBS quarterbacks. And when you sit there and say, well, he's a senior, last year was the first year he started. So it's just last year and this year. So that's pretty good, you know? So um, the Irish, they're tied for the national lead in red zone offense, going 8-8 eight and eight with seven TDs. Now I know the first two games you had Louisville and New Mexico, but in college there's no preseason. So a couple of these games in the first couple games that you endure, they're all – kind of pseudo preseason games the stats i guess so they help describe where your strengths where your weaknesses and how good your team is against live competition so the stats are good but it's just the fact that you know early on you've able to establish something and with notre dame they've established that when they get in the red zone they finish they don't go for field goals it's going to be pivotal in a road game you want to finish with touchdowns not field goals now, when you look at Notre Dame offensively, they lost some weapons, but they still have Ian Book. What makes Ian Book special to me, and when I say special, no, he's not one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He's probably, I don't know, maybe top 10, but he's not in the same breath as Tua or Herbert or Mr. Burroughs down there at LSU. Hello, LSU fans. But what Ian Book does bring to the table, athleticism at the quarterback position, but Similar to Kellen Mond at Texas A&M, he's a threat because he's a legitimate thrower of the football. He's a pass first, but if you all out blitz him and you leave a lane open, he's fast enough to take it upfield and run for a first down and get down. He, the only issue that I have with Ian Book 
is the deep ball. That's the problem that I have. Because whenever he throws the deep ball, he just doesn't have the chemistry with the receivers of connecting. He can throw a beautiful back shoulder fade, but for some reason, he always overthrows the deep ball. Maybe that's the case of uh, 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 the lack of speed that these receivers on Notre Dame have. I don't know. Because they're big, but they just don't have that top flight 4-3 speed. But one thing that I do like about Ian Book is he can run RPO. He's a good decision maker, and he has a high completion percentage. And that's good because when you convert on third downs, you're passing the ball, you have an athletic quarterback where when you run an RPO, that second where the quarterback, the defense has to freeze like, wait a minute, is the running back going to run or is the quarterback going to tuck in and run? Or is he going to pass? Because I will say this. The, the loss of Jafar Armstrong and other running backs that are that were hurt and didn't play against New Mexico, hopefully they'll play this weekend, that's going to hurt Notre Dame because it's, it's kind of made them one-dimensional. But if you know Notre Dame, if you want first-round talent on the offensive line, you want first-round talent at tight end, you go to Notre Dame. They've proven that they've churned out for the past couple of years first-round talent on the offensive line. Now, that offensive line can block. The key is Georgia's going to test that offensive line early and often. Block the blitz. I don't know if they're going to be able to run with backup running backs, create holes, or like, you know, what, what, um, what, or what Auburn's going to have to do, or should I say Michigan's going to have to do against Wisconsin. Even if the run doesn't net big yards, run to run, so at least you create the threat so play action can be effective. But the offensive line, you got to block. That's it. And defensively, look, the front seven of Notre Dame is very good. Their pass rush is real. With Dylan Hayes and, 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 and crew, they're bringing in a lot of guys that could really get after the quarterback. Now, the linebackers are young. We lost all of our linebackers last year, and they're, and they're, and they're raw. We do have number two, Bilal. Bilal? For all my house, house party fans, Bilal? Yes, Amir Bilal, number 22. He's the veteran back there. Switched back to being a middle backer. So I need these sophomores, freshmen, and junior linebackers to step up and play like men. The secondary? Secondary's tight, solid. I mean, yeah, we lost, we lost Julian Love, but we have other players that are, that are ready to step up. What's going to be key for Notre Dame to win this game? Offensively, when they get into the red zone, they have to score TDs. Obviously, don't turn the ball over. And you know what? When they have some big 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", receivers that can really jump and catch the ball. Back shoulder fades. I know he's. I, I, I said I don't see him complete a lot of them, but those jump balls or those deep balls, Ian Bucks might have to complete a couple of those just to stretch that defense. And his ability to extend plays, his ability to, okay, everything is blocked up, but I need to scramble or dance around back here for five more seconds so my receiver could get open. That's going to, need, that's going to be critical. Making plays versus the blitz. They're going to blitz. It's going to be man-to-man. Our receivers need to win against that young secondary of the Georgia Bulldogs. And sprinkle in a little bit of the luck of the Irish along with special teams, 
And as I aforementioned turnovers, that's what Notre Dame is going to need to win. And that's a lot, right? That's why they're the underdogs, because that's a lot. They're playing against the Georgia Bulldogs, undefeated 2-0, same as Notre Dame. Um, They've won 15 straight home games. So not only are they the number three ranked team, not only are Notre Dame huge underdogs, I mean, you're walking not into the den of the line. You're like dancing on his teeth. They've won 15 straight home games. Now, look, junior quarterback Jake Fromm, his first start was at Notre Dame Stadium in which they defeated Notre Dame 20-19. Since then, he's gone 26-5 and as a starter, including 8-5 versus top 25 teams and has had a couple quarterbacks transfer out because they couldn't beat him out. Everybody is, is, is drooling over Justin Fields at Ohio State and how amazing he is having been um, a first-year starter for Ohio State. He originally committed to Georgia but couldn't beat out Jake Fromm. He's, he, he plays, he's consistent, good arm, smart, gets to the ball where it needs to be, on time, accurate. I mean, he's a winner. 25-5 is a starter and 8-5 and versus top 25 teams. Right? But did you hear did you notice what I just said? All five of his losses came for his top twenty-five teams. Yeah, I know. So what does that mean, Greg? Hopefully Notre Dame has a shot. That's all I'm saying. This kid's pretty good. Now the Bulldogs defense, they ranked fourth nationally. That lets you know the, the tall menu that Notre Dame has in front of them. And in the red zone. The Bulldog opponents have scored no touchdowns in four trips, settling for a pair of field goals and a couple turnovers. So what you have now is strength on strength. Notre Dame Irish, all they've done is score touchdowns, and the Georgia Bulldog defense, all they do is don't allow touchdowns. So that might be a key attribute to the Bulldogs winning, their defense. If they don't allow Notre Dame to score in the red zone, and pretty much that defense is run by Kirby Smart, former defensive coordinator of the Alabama Crimson Tide. He runs a lot of zone blitz, a ton of man, and he's going to blitz from everywhere. He might have somebody come off the side of the bench and blitz. Multiple looks, multiple defensive fronts. It's going to be a challenge for Notre Dame. But the, the one thing that I do say about Georgia and it only happens um, to them twice a year. One, they'll play Alabama, and in the first half, they will look great. They will look great in the first half against Alabama. And then all of a sudden, in the second half, Alabama makes their adjustments, and everything that Georgia Bulldogs did, they can't do. And it's almost like in their head, like we can't beat Big Brother. So I'm not saying that happens against everybody. But what I do know is there's always one game a year. Last year, it was um, at Florida where the Georgia Bulldogs, they either throw up a dud or it happens to them where they show out in the first half and then in the second half when they need to make plays, it just doesn't happen. Hopefully that happens this weekend. I know it's pick time. Look, I hate to say this. I told you I'm a realist, not an idealist. I believe the Bulldogs will come out victorious. They will beat Notre Dame. The only hope that I have for Notre Dame is 
at least keep this game competitive at halftime. Because when they play in games like this at halftime, you look at the scoreboard and you're like, damn, right? It's almost like, yo, what happened? Like the second half is like, you just start sipping and, and you're just like, I am so mad right now. I just want it to be halftime and not have the score be like 30 to 3, 28 zip, you know, 17 0, where it's like we're not even being competitive. Just get me to half. Let's be, let's, let, I don't want to say be competitive. Deep down, I want them to win. I don't think they will, but just be competitive, you know? Something where you can hold your heads high like, man, look, we tried. You know, when they beat us in Notre Dame, it was a 20-19 to hard-fought victory. And it was a game where you could sit there and say, we played well. Notre Dame is a good team. But there it goes. That's my pick. So as I do with all my episodes in the Man Cave Huddle, I like to end with a positive note. And my positive note in this episode is, Hustle in silence, let your success make the noise. That's right. Hustle in silence, let your success make the noise. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye, everybody.